Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So I got into this conversation with my son last night, and I wanted to get uh, some different perspectives on this. So we've got Joe and I's perspective. Joe and I are almost exactly the same age. Do you know that, Alex? Joe and I are 10 days apart. Well, you're both 28. Yes. Mm -hmm. Joe is 10 days older than me, which explains his maturity. Um, Then we have uh, like another decade down, you get to Michelangelo, and then you get to another decade or so down to Alex. So we got like three generations practically here. um, So my son, I pick him up for football practice last night, and uh, they're starting to practice in pads tonight for the first time. So that'll be kind of interesting to see when they're actually starting to hit each other. There's some sort of federal law or state law. You have to have eight practices before you're allowed to be in pads. They've got all kinds of rules mm. for this sort of stuff. But anywho, so I got into the conversation about, well, when school starts pretty soon, then you'll be practicing right after school because he thought it was going to be like you come home from school and then go back. No, 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 you'll practice after school. And he said, so I'll wear my uniform to school? No, I said, no, you won't wear your football uniform to school. You'll wear your normal clothes, and then you'll change into your uniform after school. And he said, where? And I said, in the locker room. And then after practice, I suppose you'll take a shower and uh, and then put your regular clothes back on. I mean, that's the way we always did. And he said, a shower? What do you mean? Like, do we have separate stalls? And, oh, I, and, oh. I, and I said, <laughs> well, I said, I have no idea the way it works now. But certainly when I was young, we all stood in one great big open room with shower heads coming out of it and took showers, including the coaches. I mean, so there were, and she, mm. he, was, he was horrified. We didn't have the, we did not have the coaches shower he with didn't. us. Okay. So this, no. see, these are all differing things here. Okay. So, um, he was horrified at the idea of him and other students being naked in a room together. Now, so far, does that track with your experience in school, Michelangelo? Yes or no? Did you shower? Did you regularly shower in a big room with a bunch of other boys? Nobody showered. Period. There was one guy that showered and wanted to be naked all the time, and he was by himself. <laughs> so you were never... you supposed to be showering? It was optional, but everybody looked at each other, and nobody wanted to do it. Okay, Alex, your experience. Uh, we had one guy who showered every day after practice, but that's because he had religious observances afterwards. But he wore a pair of athletic shorts after he was done show- uh, after he was done with practice. But everybody else just went home sweaty. Went home in our cars. Went home, showered from home. What did, did a shower exist? Like, did a big shower room exist? We had them. We just nobody ever used them, but we had them. Wow, how interesting. That is interesting. Do you find it, both of you, Michael and Alex? Do you both find it? weird that for instance when i was in high school geez every day from fifth grade almost every day from fifth grade through graduating high school i showered in a big room full of other people does that seem weird i gotta say it kind of does for me yeah Uh yeah it does seem weird wow i was grateful for it because i had to go straight to work after baseball practice in a restaurant i couldn't be stanking and there was no time to go home. But so did you get like get all sweaty doing sports or gym class or whatever, and then put your clothes on your sweat? Well, I ha- I had the luxury of having PE the last period of the day because that was our football practice. They uh-huh. use that as part of our football team. So for me, I could just go home after football practice. Now the circumstances. But you went home in your football clothes, or did you put on 
you, you you take off your football clothes and put on like underwear and socks and everything over your sweaty body. That, I, I see, that third, seems weirder to me than showering. I brought a third set of clothes. I brought just shorts and a t-shirt that I didn't care if they got ratty and gross. I went mm-hmm. home and showered in them any or okay. from them anyways. Text line four one five two nine five KFTC is the day of. You finish getting all sweaty and everybody showers together over. Has that been gone for? Is it dead as disco? And ladies, what's happening with uh, women these days? Young women. What, what are what are the practices there? So you you know now that I think about it, there was only one coach that ever showered with us. Uh oh, Coach Nasser Hanson. Can you jump on the microphone? You are yet yeah. from a different uh, uh-huh. socioeconomic age group and everything like that. Right. Showering as a group, yes or no? Yes. Yes. I don't know about your experience, Joe, but we all showered and nobody thought it was weird. And I and, and as far as I know, people weren't uncomfortable. Starting in uh, junior high, as we called it. Yeah, I think in middle school, f- fifth grade, when I started wrestling in fifth grade. And I don't remember being uncomfortable at all, really. I mean, my dad just told me, yeah, and then he'll shower. And I'm okay. And then just told well, me. Well, there were the varying levels of maturity at that age were, were interesting. Oh, yeah. You got, uh, but, you got uh, the Sasquatch over there who's hairy as, uh, well, hairy as Sasquatch. And then I am over here, you know, like a smooth as a dolphin. Uh, not you know, to mention the, uh, the Schwanstücke fairy had had already visited. Him. I don't recall <laughs> thinking about that. Well, you would have if you uh, played with some of the guys I did. <laughs> okay. You played with the seventy four dolphins. <laughs> so yes, it was well, impressive. So, th- well, this is new news to me. Got all sorts of great stuff to talk about, but quickly a word from our beloved sponsor, Simply Safe, that has designed a home security system going to keep you safe from fire, burglary, a medical emergency. But it's simpler, easier to use, and just better than all those traditional systems. Wins all kinds of awards against much more complicated, more expensive systems, and it's easy to order Simply Safe. It's simple. Uh, you go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong, you click around, customize the system to your home, you order it. It comes in the mail, you set it up in about 30 minutes yourself, and then you've got help with fire, burglary, medical emergency, or even just help setting up the system. And just a personal note from me, Joe, your old Uncle Joe, don't wait one day too long to get Simply Safe, if you know what I mean. Mm. And as our listener, you can save 20% on your Simply Safe security system. Get your first month free when you sign up for the interactive monitoring service. Just visit simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Customize that system. Start protecting your home, your business, your family. Simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. So I guess my son then won't probably shower, would your guess be? He's going to get back in your car and he's going to stink. Yeah, uh, true that. Well, we've gone from the World War II era where, you know, we were f- f- raised by generations of people who either were, you know, uh, showering and pooping and the rest of it with their fellow soldiers or in close quarters, the extended family, whatever, into the much more, you know, private, uh, modest generations. But how, how in the age of porn everywhere and, you know, more sexual stuff, more more nudity available than has ever been before is, 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 is that's an interesting question is that are those completely unrelated i don't know i don't know um now the i do remember hearing when i was young maybe it was from my uncle who was a marine i remember hearing that the in the, in the marine corps in basic training they had a toilet in the middle of the giant barracks 
And if you had to do number two, you just had to go over there with everybody in the room and just like just right there and do your thing. Yeah. And I and I was horrified by that. I thought I'm not sure I can do that. And I yes, was, me I, was too. I was considering being a Marine, and so I just I thought I don't know if I can do that. I can understand the the reason for that, but um. I didn't know if I Although could do that. Once, but once you get behind certainly. the surface of it, though, it's you're doing the, the the most basic animal thing everybody does. There's no shame in it. So you what you got to break down those kind of uh, prissy little barriers, I think. And we're much uh, we're a much prissier society now. Yeah, but well, for the Marines, yes, yes. you can't be at a war and a guy is like all concerned about somebody's going to see him use the bathroom. But since we're not training a bunch of warriors in seventh grade, uh, is it necessary that they get hardened to the idea of seeing other boys naked? <laughs> so you've never seen, so you could go through your whole life never seeing another man naked in person. That's the plan. Not that you ne- <laughs> I prefer it, yeah. Uh, bunch That's of homophobes here. Not that you need to, but I have seen thousands of naked males uh, in my years of showering stuff like that. When you go to the gym, no. Like gyms, like you sign up for a gym membership. Do, do people shower there? No? Oh, I, I do, but I tend to, you know, cover up and I walk back. But there's guys uh-huh. who are just walking out naked as a jaybird back to their lockers. And those guys always get kind of the side eye, like, eh, be modest. Yeah, that, that, that does seem clear to me. Some guys really enjoy the nudity. You know what's funny is sometimes you'll get that in a golf locker room. I mean, because most guys, they you, know, you play golf, you go home, even if you belong to a golf club or whatever. Uh, you know, maybe you change your shoes or whatever in in the locker room. But there are some guys who will shower up, which is fine. They got somewhere to go. And then you got the one guy out of five hundred who will just walk out of the shower, dry off, and 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 let Richard swing as he walks across the locker room back to his line. No towel on him or whatever. Or stand there and start a conversation with you and talking, talking, just thinking. You know, why don't you take the ten seconds to put on your underwear and then start the conversation? Take your time. I'll be right here. Yeah. <laughs> That's the plan, Michael says. That's just interesting. I, I'm not sure it matters at all, but in a very short time span, it went from perfectly normal to be around thousands of other people of uh, your own gender naked to not a chance ever in your life. I don't know. It just seems interesting to me. Is it a form of Puritanism? Is it, it like I was saying, is it getting away from a warrior society? Because warrior societies don't worry for a single half no. second about any of that. Well, the Puritanism, that was why I brought up the porn and everything like that. You know, what's available on TV and billboards and stuff like that. We're less puritanical on that front than maybe any society's practically ever been. So it can't be that. I think I got it. I okay. think because at least in middle school and high school, Everybody's changing and everything's so weird for these young boys. And while they put out this, you know, masculinity, this machismo of, oh, I'm older and I'm wiser and now I'm a senior in high school, everybody's still so self-conscious inside. So maybe that's just a layer of vulnerability that nobody's willing to share. But I wonder when it changed and I wonder who, who made the decision. How did it change culturally all across the country at the same time? What were the driving forces? Great point. I, I, I really don't know. I, I really don't know. Concern about pedophilia, uh, pervo coaches. I don't. I don't know. Oh, and then we do need to throw in that Joe's dad, who's told this story on many times on the radio, it was swimming class. Uh yeah. In uh, I believe it was a Catholic high school in the Bronx. Uh, you had no bathing suits. You swam in the nude. And it's funny. I just ran into somebody else. I was having a conversation, and they had the same experience. Now, the, roughly the same generation. That has always struck me as odd. Uh, what's the? Re- it makes sense to shower without clothes on. 
Yes. Why are you swimming with nothing on? Reduces drag. I don't know. <laughs> because you had pervo Catholic priests who had an opportunity to have a whole bunch of young men naked. That's why. I wonder. I don't know how widespread that was in the, this would be uh, the end of the 40s, uh, early 50s, first you, half of the 50s. I can tell you pretty much how widespread it was. Very, very widespread it was. Oh, the, pet, the pedophilia? I don't know about the swimming naked, but certainly the pedophilia was, by all documentation. Mm-hmm. The yeah. Catholic Church in those days was absolutely shot through and through with pedophiles. Mm. So, yeah, I think, that's what, I think that's what was driving that. Now, the change in showering, I have no idea. If you have any comment, text line is... And I don't think it's important. It's just... Why? Okay, it's coming together in my mind. And if some of you are way ahead of us, again, text 415-295-KFTC. Or if you'd prefer to email mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. I wonder if some of it had to do with pedophilia, liability. Uh, uh, you just if you, If you can avoid having a bunch of children naked, probably best to avoid it. Wow. It worked for, well, probably since the dawn of man, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're, we're, well, we're a decadent empire, and it's a later stage. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So we were talking last segment about uh, how uh, my son has started playing football and uh, has mentioned to him the idea of showering at school, and he was horrified by it, and now I feel bad that I've you know, he probably laid in bed last night thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to have to shower. And he's not going to have to shower with a bunch of other people based on the conversation we just had with uh, younger folks and seeing these texts. Got this text. I'm 36. Showering in school would have been crazy to us. Just hmm. unheard of. And we got a bunch of texts like that. And then from so culture is fascinating to me. How culture changes and why? Oh, absolutely. That's the most interesting topic if, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, so how did we go from a culture of, of course, everybody showered together after sports to that would be insane? And it's got to mean something. I can't nail down that it's important in any way or that it's better or worse, but it changed. Mm-hmm. Why? You know, a couple of quick uh, comments via the email line. Uh, went to public school in Rockford, Illinois, took a shower before going in the pool, swam naked, took showers afterward. And then uh, this one, uh, you swim naked so you don't have hundreds of wet suits with no place to dry them. Yeah, somebody said that uh, cotton getting in the filters was a problem. Maybe, I don't know, it would also be a good <laughs> pervo priest's excuse to have uh, naked kids swim in front of them, too. But Joe Maybe. Biden swims naked in front of Secret Service agents, and he went to a Catholic school. Maybe it's just a thing. I don't know. Now, this is interesting, and I will be writing back to uh, Dr. Mike, but Mike says, I'm a pediatrician, taught sexual health issues for two decades. If you want to know the whole story, let me know. We do, actually, Mike. I also feel, as showers went away, body dyson rue disorders, terms I don't know, and objectification skyrocketed. Kids learn all their body knowledge from porn now. Wow, that's interesting. So your only experience with seeing another naked human is pornography. Right. So you would have you would have the average young man has never seen normal people, norm, other normal kids naked, his peers. You've never seen your peers, average peers naked, but you have seen people in porn who are almost always very, very good looking. Yes, that and well endowed, could of mean, course. That could actually mean something. That yeah. could actually mean something. So that is pretty interesting that this whole body shaming, body, you know, I'm concerned about my body thing 
seems to coincide pretty closely with the disappearance of showering. I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I was on the Cardinal Hayes New York Catholic High School swim team in 1954. I don't think Cardinal Hayes is where my dad went, but that sounds almost right. We used the NYU swimming pool and had to practice in the nude. Priests were assistants or titled sponsors and observed our practices. We wore bathing suits at all swimming meets, competitive, even when the meet was held at NYU. I thought it was weird and quit after one season. Yeah, I think think we have two different topics on the swimming Catholic church thing. I mean, yeah, well, the documentation is out there about Catholic schools, particularly in the Northeast, what was going on. I mean, it was... Yeah, yeah. But the, the, the disappearing of seeing your peers... What their bodies actually look like could have a lot to do with all the things you hear about. Well, the idea of shame and well, I guess shame is the right word of, of you must never have your body seen ever under any circumstances. I don't think that's healthy. You know, I, and I hate to be just a knee jerk. My generation had it right because it's not like I voted on it. But it, it gave you a, uh, hey, everybody's different, I'm fine feeling about your body. Sure, absolutely. That might be significant. If I was a younger person, I'd do like some sort of college term paper on that somehow. Sounds like a good idea. Then submit it to us. All these young people that are have struggling with body issues, it's because they haven't seen normal people's bodies and realize this is what we all look like. Right, and it's fine. And it's fine. Armstrong and Getty. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. Are you tired of gulping down the lying filth of the mainstream media? Yeah, we are too. We try to tell you the truth every single day. Gulping down lying filth. Wow. Nobody wants to sound dumb. Our goal is to help you not sound dumb. We'll inform you, and it'll be fun at the same time. You have to choose between entertainment and information. Combine them both with the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Four episodes available every day via the iHeartRadio app or wherever you download your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. And now, he. Strong and Getty. <laughs> Vegetables in your meal first, then the Clint Eastwood trailer. Yeah, he's 91, and he's starring and directing a new movie. That's amazing. It is. It really is. Man, if you can get out of your chair and take a walk around the block when you're 91, and you know your name, that's a huge win. Imagine the complexities of acting and directing a movie and learning all those lines and you know, th- thinking of the camera shots and the lighting and all the things you got, I just can't even imagine. Well, in keeping order on the set, I realize he has help, but I, I propose a new saying in the English language. May you age like Clint Eastwood. Yeah. That's a beautiful wish. Although we know he's not 100%, we all remember the, the chair speech he gave in the Mitt Romney presidential, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, convention. convention, yeah. Well, that was an improv bit that didn't that petered out. That, that happens with improv bits. Twenty twelve. Yeah, yeah but then again, that's a special case. Yeah. May you age like Clint Eastwood. I already haven't, so yeah, I'm behind already. Movie tradesman. Uh, we'll go. We'll go through these in order. Majority of Americans, a new poll say it would be bad for the country if Trump ran in twenty twenty four. Maybe you believe the poll. Maybe you don't. It is a um. 
Who did this poll? Anyway, I'll just read it. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm a talk show host, and some of you will hate this, but go ahead and hate. I think somebody with a substantial portion of Trump's policies who is not Trump would be a better choice. 32% of respondents, however, said another Trump campaign would be good for the country. So there you go. About two-thirds said uh, they didn't think it'd be good for the country. Uh, 49% of respondents, though, polled said they think Trump will run for president in 2024, about half. I don't think so. You don't in fact, so. I'm pretty sure he won't. I don't believe he's made up his mind yet. That'd be my guess. Yeah, yeah I, well, I would agree with that, too. I just think by the time several more years have passed, a few more years have passed, he'll have thoroughly checked back into his regular life. He's going to be not a young guy. Um, and I, I don't think he wants to go through the hell of it again. So I saw this uh, poll headline today. New poll shows large number of Americans have ended friendships over COVID-19. And a larger number know someone who has died. I do not know someone who has died of COVID. Um, 20% of Americans say they have lost friendships over a COVID-19 dispute. I haven't, but I certainly could have if I would wanted to, like, argue about various things. I don't, yeah, I don't I, have, I don't have kids in school anymore, which so expands your interactions with other human beings. Uh-huh. Um, that I, you know, my life as it is, I haven't come within a thousand miles of that. I can't, I can't imagine how that would happen. Well, I can't imagine it, but not in my life. So that's crazy to me. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, more likely you did not. 68% of people said they did not uh, lose a friendship over COVID. Eric Clapton, the famous guitar player, talking about ancient uh, celebrities, um, uh, he says he's lost many friendships, old friendships over the whole COVID thing because he's a super anti-vaxxer. Hmm. Uh, Democrats outpaced Republicans. Does that mean anything? In losing uh, friendships? More Democrats losing friends than uh, Republicans. I'm not surprised by that at all. I mean, we've had statistics where uh, uh, the people on the various uh, sides of the Trump divide, the lefties are much more likely to, to end friendships. Conservatives think lefties are misguided. Lefties think conservatives are evil. There's a difference. Um, a separate poll found that 18% of Americans have suffered the death of a close friend because of COVID. I have not. No. But uh, 18% have. Which is really, you know, when you, when, when you hear about 600,000 people dying and it's drilled into you every single day. Um, I was in a conversation with the other day with a, a couple of different people on how many people we even know that have had COVID. And up until fairly recently, it was very few. It probably is fairly telling that almost all of us, our experience with people we know have had COVID was recent. The Delta thing is flying around pretty fast. Although your point that the testing is way up, way more people are getting tested is uh, can't be left out. Because how many people did I know that did have COVID that they didn't know it and I did not? Right, exactly. Just, you know, as long as we're sharing personal experiences, it ripped through a golf club where I played, um, uh, you know, quite a few months ago and a bunch of guys had it. They just had the sniffles, though. If you took that out of the equation, how many people do you personally know that have had COVID? Oh, a handful. Because I don't, I have very few. Um, but also from the same survey, and this is worth mentioning, and it doesn't have anything to do with COVID, I don't think. Americans have fewer friends than they did 30 years ago, just in general. This poll just came out last week. Yeah, not surprised by that. Um, survey Center on American Life spoke with more than 2,000 adults, 18 and older. Only 13% of those polled said they had more than 10 close friends. 10 close friends seems like a lot uh, to me. 
This is Ten a, close friends? Yeah, it depends how you define it, but I see your point. This yeah. is in contrast to a 1990 Gallup poll in which a third of U.S. adults said they had 10 or more close friends. That's a pretty significant drop in the last 30 years. Uh-huh. Well, it's easy, easy to understand. If you name five things you did for fun or satisfaction in the course of your week, I'd say back in, you know, back in the day, back in the 80s, for instance, uh, four of the five at least would involve direct interaction with other humans. Clubs, uh, sports teams, uh, hobbies, uh, civic organizations, whatever. Now it's probably, you know, watch TV, watch video games, Netflix and chill. Well, that involves a human being. Uh, all sorts of uh, techie stuff. Uh, nearly half of people said they lost touch with at least a few friends over the last 12 months of the pandemic. That's interesting. I think I was in more contact. It was texting and stuff, but I think I was in more contact with people during the pandemic than normal years. Uh, but uh, so half of people said they lost contact with a friend and one in 10 said they'd lost touch with most of their friends in the last year. Wow. You're doing it wrong. Oh, that's the, that's got to be the super paranoid crowd. Yeah, I did. You're just terrified of any interaction. I did run into a guy the other day and uh, and uh, he said, this is the first time I've been out in like a year and three months, he said, and it feels kind of weird. And I thought, you're a nut. Yeah, you're a you... nut that you haven't been out in a year and three months, but whatever. You have my pity. Yeah. Too bad you felt that way about the pandemic. Of course, I don't know his health situation. He might he might have some sort of health situation where this thing was a death sentence, and I don't know, so I shouldn't. Yeah, but wait a minute. That doesn't mean he can't go hiking in a national park or kayaking or, or play golf or whatever. Um, you can be a bubble boy and do those things. <laughs> He's a nut. You were right the first time. <laughs> how is how is the bubble boy hiking in the national park? <laughs> well, he leaves his bubble behind. Oh, okay. You know, he's going to take a chance. Maybe he gets the squirrel fever. Maybe he doesn't. But he's going to take a damn walk. <laughs> uh, politics may be a key reason friendships are ending. Of, of those, <laughs> yeah, we know. <laughs> of those surveyed, 20% of Democrats, 10% of Republicans polled said they had friendships and over a political disagreement. Twice as many Democrats as Republicans, getting back to what Joe was just talking about. That echoes a poll a few months ago, yeah. As to the fewer friends, this is anecdotal, and I'll just throw this in, and then we'll get to the Clint Eastwood trailer, which I'm kind of wanting to hear, and it's got a uh, a body joke at the end. Oh, no. Somewhat concerned about. Um, I know my brother talks about the lunchroom at his work. He's got kind of a lunch pail sort of job, and uh, people actually bring lunch pails and sit there in the lunchroom and have lunch, and he said... Prior to smartphones, because I had a lunch pail job back in the day, and lunch hour we'd all sit around and talk and eat. I mean, what else are you gonna do? You've been working all day, and you just you're <laughs> you're looking for something to do other than. But you'd sit there and talk about all kinds of different things. He said nobody talks anymore. Everybody just sits there and stares at their phone the whole hour. Yeah. And I've been out of going to bars uh, 15 years ago tomorrow uh, since I've uh, had an alcoholic drink. But um, uh, from what I understand from the bar crowd. The go in and sit at the bar and you end up in a conversation with the dude down the bar about the ball game or the weather or COVID or politics or whatever is gone. Everybody just sits there and stares at their phone. Nobody talks to each, anybody. They, you yeah. don't even have conversations with the bartender like you used to. Because I heard this from a bartender. It used to be bartending. Really, a lot of the job was being a conversationalist, you know, and you got the lonely drunks like myself who would come in and sit there at the bar by themselves and you strike up a conversation and you, you you're good you're good at a whole bunch of different topics you can talk to people you, and this bartender dude said don't have to do that at all anymore cuz everybody just sits there and stares at their phone yeah that would have to play a role in the in the the way lower number of friends over the last 30 years wouldn't it absolutely oh yeah it's undeniable 
As an introvert, I'm grateful for that phenomenon. Uh, but uh, yeah, of course, we just we don't have to reach out to other humans nearly as much as we used to. Mm. And uh, well, well, yeah, mm, interesting. Let me uh, correct myself. I think we do need to. We just don't. So this new Clint Eastwood movie, he's a 91-year-old man traveling the the country, uh, getting into fistfights with an orangutan. Is that what the mm. movie's about? More or less, yeah. yeah. What's it called? Cry Macho. Cry Macho. Do we need to know anything before we hear the trailer, Hanson, or can we just play the trailer? Because I don't want people to be completely mystified. Okay, let's just roll it. You know how many people told me to just cut you loose? You going to say anything? Howard. I've always thought of you as a small, weak, and gutless man. Because, you know, there's no reason to be rude. You used to be strong, natural. I used to be a lot of things. But I'm not now. Now, I'll tell you something. This macho thing is overrated. Just people trying to be macho show that they've got grit. That's about all they end up with. It's like anything else in life, you think you got all the answers. I'm Mike. Marta. And you realize as you get older, you don't have any of them. We all have to make choices in life, kid. You have to make yours. His name is Macho. Like me. Very strong rooster. Whatever. What's wrong with that? Nothing. Guy wants to name this cock Macho. <laughs> it's okay by me. <laughs> Thanks, Clint. <laughs> oh, wow. So, so uh, he's hired to bring a boy back to the u.s from mexico or uh, something like apparently, that apparently but uh obviously it gets a lot into the idea of aging and uh, life and all that sort of stuff and the really yeah. one of you i said saw said to watch the trailer and try not to cry i haven't seen it but I, it sounds you know i got to be in the mood to want to contemplate the meeting of life to watch a movie but uh, it sounds it took me a long time to watch grand torino because i'd heard of what it was about and just you know, in the day-to-day raising kids and pressures of life, it never seemed like a good time to watch it. And it was is a tough movie to watch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and this one sounds like it might be awesome. Yeah. I, I got to be in the right mood to take in a gut-wrenching drama. You but, know, well, life wrenches my guts. I don't need help. But uh, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll take the thoughts of a 91-year-old who's been participating in life for, uh, for that long on uh, aging and uh, what it looks like from there. So Yeah. Here, here. I hope I get there to have that perspective. Oh, unlikely. I like the plot, though. Bringing that young Mexican boy back to his father in the States. Shades of Alien Gonzalez. Janet Reno. Bill Clinton will take your calls. What should be done? <laughs> that was Dwight Yoakam in the early scene, though, uh, talking with Clint Eastwood, though. So he oh, stars in the movie yeah. also. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. A person tweeted this out, and there was a response, and I'll read it. Some uh, New York young uh, white college girl, which is a certain sort of person. Oh, my God. Tweeted out, requiring New Yorkers to show medical papers to allow them to participate in society will be the end of my relationship with New York City. 
As of yesterday, I'm actively trying to leave. The only place that's ever in all my life felt like home to me. So that means she moved there from somewhere else, and she felt like home in New York because they understand the values of intersectionality and all the other crap that I'm sure she's into. But now it doesn't feel like home anymore because they're making you show your card. Well, and it's also a humble brag that only the great New York could fit me and my giant spirit. Right. Uh, Tim Sandifer retweeted a blue checkmark response to that, which was an all cap saying, you've you have always needed proof of vaccination to participate in society. If you don't remember having to do so, it's because it was an unremarkable norm. Your parents took care of it without being drama queens. So can you. In other words, getting shots to go to school. Mm -hmm. Almost uh, pretty much all of us did. So really not that exciting. Uh, how it became exciting, I don't know. Mm, oh, uh, and this just came out. The vaccine maker Moderna said that protection from its coronavirus shots remains strong that at 93% effective six months after full vaccination. So at least the Moderna one is still holding up. So the potential for booster shots can be put off a little longer. Yeah, the science I'm seeing in its preliminary is that it, it's... Its ability to protect you completely starts to decline, but its ability to protect you against hospitalization and death, which is uh, uh, the, the the two biggies for me, uh, they continue pretty well, but we'll know better in another year. So we have had people even today say they're never listening again because we're pushing the vaccine too much. Had a bunch of people very angry at me last week because I had on a guest who was uh, anti-vaccine. A uh, friend of the Armstrong and Getty Show, Mike Slater, was on. And um, he said, nobody's coming near me with the vaccine. And he listed the reasons why he's not going to get it. So no matter what we say about the vaccine, somebody's going to be mad. I got it. I think you should get it. But if you don't, I don't care. Go ahead. Do whatever you want. I wish I'd been here for that segment. I was uh, slacking off as usual. But uh, anyway, interesting. Um, he, uh, our guest had gone through some of the stuff about the FDA emergency use authorization, which is a lot of people's reason for not wanting to get the vaccine. Tim Sandifer, who is pro-vaccine, Tim the lawyer, friend of the Armstrong and Getty Show, also tweet, uh, texted to me personally this stuff, and so I'll just read to it. By the way, one of the things that your anti-vax guest got wrong, the FDA's emergency youth authorization is exactly the same safety test as permanent authorization. The FDA test thing is in stages. First it tests safety, then it tests effectiveness. Emergency youth authorization and permanent authorization use the same safety part for the test. The permanent authorization then also includes a test of effectiveness. That's what hasn't been officially done yet, the effectiveness test. That's why it's not permanent authorization. Um, we know that it's effective so far, but uh, it hasn't been effective long enough to get the permanent authorization standard. As far as the safety is concerned, emergency use authorization is identical to full authorization. The vaccines are as safe as they can possibly be. Uh, people often use the example of a polio vaccine that came out many, many years ago and killed some people, gave them polio. That actual vaccine used uh, actual virus in the vaccine. Nobody uses the polio vaccine anymore. They stopped using that way back in the 60s. The COVID vaccine is a Myrna vaccine, not a live virus or killed virus vaccine. So you can't possibly get COVID from the vaccine the way you could from that old polio vaccine, which is some people's reasons for not wanting to get the vaccine. If you want to argue with that uh, point, you can go ahead and text or email. Feel free. And again, I got the vaccine. I'd get the booster shot tomorrow. If you don't want to, fine, I don't care. That's my position. Yeah, you're here. I'm with you on that. Do whatever you want. 
Yeah. You know, it's we got one angry, insulting email from some jackass. About, hey, quit, uh, you guys, you don't know nothing. You know nothing. Quit talking about the COVID thing. Uh, it's driving gigantic, sweeping, radical government policies and uh, policies that are uh, utterly devastating to our nation's children. Uh, so I think being up on it and, and helping share the facts with you and, and what's not true and, and pointing out where there's government overreach and why it's overreach, I, I, we will continue to do so. And if my angry jackass uh, correspondent, Dan, doesn't want to listen anymore, don't. That's fine. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Yeah, teacher, Goodbye. teachers unions, the big ones, are starting to soften their commitment to in-person instruction in the fall. And some of their the reasons is the teachers aren't vaccinated. So this getting vaccinated or not discussion has ramifications, not just in your own personal life. Yeah, I would say really important ones. Can I hear the grunt again from the behemoth throwing the shot put? <laughs> yep, that's me putting on my socks in the morning. I've got to do something about my eating. I just I've lost all control. I'm now like I'm now like a cow. If you put enough food in me, I will eat till I founder, till I no longer can stand on my feet. You'll fall over on your side and moan. <laughs> exactly. Like a dumb beast. That's which no a, way to be. Which a lot of you have known for quite some time. Whoa. Armstrong and Getty.